Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial place for all of TV. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm your co-host, Alexis. Today, we are covering the final episode of the first season of His Dark Materials on HBO and BBC, Mm -hmm. titled The Betrayal. The Betrayal. Alexis, what did you think of the episode? I think this episode existed. There's mysterious music. (laughs) It was weird. I thought it was in this room. Okay. I did too. Yeah. Um. I think this episode existed basically just for the last scene, the the betrayal in question, and spent a lot of time spinning its wheels before mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. But visually, this was one of the most beautiful episodes we've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. The aurora yeah. flying off of everybody's faces. Exactly. The whole thing's dark, but still mm-hmm. just infused with all of this color. It makes it feel more magical than anything else we've seen <laughs> right. in this series. Yeah, no, I, I I like the episode. I want to like all of this, but, and I meant to go back and kind of do a, f- a quick rewatch of all of the episodes before this just to see how it flowed, but I feel like there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of misspent time. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe there was too many scenes of the Boreal and Will just to like cut up the action Maybe there were, yeah, it just seems like they, maybe like early episodes, I feel like they spent a lot of time with Egyptians and establishing all of these really emotional relationships. And, and done nothing with them since, since, which is interesting. Right. That yeah. and we are getting, like, especially in this episode, we're getting really short shrift on a lot of battles. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting battle mechanics that we're not seeing. Um, but again, all the actual human relationships, not just human, but some of these interpersonal relationships are, are really interesting. Um, but it's very dark. Mm-hmm. You've heard that a lot. It's just very dark and it's hard to really get into. Like, what do we have to hang our hat on? You know, it's just nothing but sadness and pain for Lyra and Will at that. Right. If he's the other child we're supposed to be rooting for, um, who? what does anyone have? You know, Mrs. You have be... Coulter and Asriel, even as the bad guys aren't winning. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not mm-hmm. winning each other. Maybe Asriel crosses over and he crosses over into the middle of Afghanistan in the war. <laughs> And he That's gets shot. I don't know. About. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, it's just all darkness. So I assume he just crossed over in some some kind of like war zone. We haven't been in Afghanistan <laughs> for a long time, but it was the first thing that came to mind. Right. I don't know what time or place we're in. No, I think you have to be so compelled by the plot that you want to move forward. And there is just a lot of talking just in this entire season so far. Yeah, and it's still, I mean, we've asked this question before, but it begs the question again, who is this made for? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any other initial thoughts. Do you? I I will say this. I want to say this right up top. I really, really, really want to like this show because 
I enjoyed the source material so much. Yes. I think if after all of this child pain, basically, Mm -hmm. the murders, the sacrifices, Mm -hmm. that makes you want to not watch the show so much anymore, you should Mm -hmm. definitely at least try to give it another chance next season because there is 100% less child killing (laughs) that I can remember unless they drastically (laughs) change something. Unless they, you know, they look back on this season and they're like, that's what people were in for. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what they were. That's let's, what they were begging for. That. Not the yeah. demons. The, yeah. Also the, the whole not being enough demons problem. Yes. Spoiler alert is going to be solved. Is it? <laughs> Moving forward. Yeah. All right. Let's for hope reasons. So. Yeah. Less, less child pain. And I mean, there's, it's YA, so there will be child pain, but not, yeah. not that kind. Yeah. It'd just be like being chased and stuff, you know, standard. Mm-hmm. whatever give it another shot is what i'm saying yeah this i mean if rough. nothing else if you're enjoying the podcast and our review of it we will be back next season for sure we will yes it is true confirmed confirmed <laughs> we've been greenlit for a season two <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> so we open on the magisterium preparing their troops as mrs coulter loads her hand cannon and mm-hmm. We see a quick shot of Asriel doing Aurora math on glass. Very cool. Like it's it. really cool. I love I love that scene, and especially since you trace the mountain itself. Like that right. has some sort of mathematical purpose. Mm-hmm. You can't just... do math unless you have an exact topography <laughs> of the mountain. And but... still, Mario is looking at the calculations too, which demons can probably do math. And demons read. can do math. Demons can do sex. Kind of. We'll get into it in a in a in a rubbing <laughs> way. Yeah, they can in do some heavy way. petting. Oh, you did not. Right. <laughs> Sorry. It's good. It's good. That's what the people come for. <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> so uh, in the next scene, Lyra finds Asriel in his lab, and she asks why he lied to her about being her father all of these years, and. Um, she shares her regrets with him and she gets, she gets some pretty sick Asriel style burns in here Mm -hmm. on him. This is a, this is a really good, uh, rapport back and forth that Daphne Keene is doing. And I feel like she's uniquely talented to sort of tackle that. Uh, your choice in women is almost as bad as your choice in bears was the line that got me. Yeah. Just sitting upstairs by myself last night and laughing out loud. Yeah, it's show. yeah. It's like why? It's pretty good. Why did you not have a better? Like, why did you not want to just? Are you not just compelled to have a better relationship with this young woman? Because she's funny, if nothing else. She she's is good. She's company. very charming. But again, she's she's gone through all this shit, and he still can't be bothered to treat her like a human. Nope, not even like now. A full human. Um. So her his rejection of her causes her to cry, and he chastises her for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she rejects his name in place of her own, which is Lyra Silvertongue now. Yep. She offers him the alethiometer, but he gives it back to her. And he says he never called himself a father because he hasn't ever identified as one. And she leaves. They leave it at that. Yep. He, uh, definitely. He knows that he is not father material. Even if he wanted to be a father, I I don't know that he would have the the intestinal fortitude right. to be a dad. So maybe it's for the best. Who knows? Yeah. Parents. Who needs them? But he does make a good uncle. He does have the aloofness of a of mm-hmm. an interesting uncle. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like the Drosselmeyer and the Nutcracker. 
He's magical and he's fun and he disappears for most of the time. <laughs> Perfect. But, you know, the look on his face when she arrived with Roger mm-hmm. and the look on his face, uh, I mean, a lot of the time tells me that he does love her, but he's actively stifling that, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, which makes me believe that he's humanized in a way. He's not a sociopath. You know, he feels for these people, these women in his life that he loves, but they're always going to be second to whatever he's doing. Yeah, um, they they give the character of Azriel a much better... He's just a lot more charismatic in the show mm-hmm. than he is in the book because you don't get to see any of that that caringness right. in the book. I, I have some lines to read you toward the end of the episode that this fool will say to Miss Coulter, this person <laughs> who he loved at one point or whatever... They're just straight hateful. Just straight hateful. Oh, yeah. That's fun. I I, I have the tea there. So. Okay. Good. Keep it in. Steep it for a little while longer. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, The next scene, we see Miss Coulter really taking her rage on on her monkey. And then mm-hmm. McPhail finds her. This poor monkey. It really, it really tests my knowledge of how I interact with myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is this is this the equivalent of, like, women who are people who hurt themselves when they're causing, or when, you know, and there are these moments of strife? Yeah, even like, in, I've been a, there. in an interior way when you are beating yourself up, thinking that you are worthless or dumb or you're just mm-hmm. not doing well enough. Is that the equivalent of somebody, you know, putting their fingers in their demon's fur and just squeezing? Right. Yeah. This physical manifestation that I relate to too much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, this monkey and Mrs. Coulter, their performance is so good. Yeah, she's solid. Uh, so McPhail finds her there, and he accuses her of having changed once she met Asriel. She used to be this confident young woman, and then she melted in front of them. <laughs> And she accuses him of being envious of her and Asriel's confidence, mm-hmm. which, eh, true, I think seems true on both counts. That's fair. It is kind of a little bit of a mean girl moment, but also... Yeah. She probably didn't truth. melt because she fell in love. It seems like a very human thing to do, to fall in love and have a child and mm-hmm. be changed by that experience. Right. But, you know, she can serve it right back to them. Stuff. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh... So then we cut to Boreal and Fra Pavel going over his alethiometer results. <laughs> and he sees that Grumman found a knife in a tower surrounded by angels and that Will Perry will lead him to it quite categorically. Yep. Uh, Fra Pavel does not know that Grumman is not from Lyra's world. He doesn't know that he's a dude, an explorer from a different world. I don't even, he doesn't does he, even what know. What does he know of him at all? <clears throat> he doesn't even know that anybody's been crossing over to different worlds, I don't think. Yeah, because that yeah. would be heresy at least. Mm-hmm. So we know that probably the Magisterium proper will not be coming after Will, but Boreal, Boreal also has many resources. Right. So it's it's really opportune moment for Boreal to be doing this mm-hmm. because they're super preoccupied with Azriel and going after Lyra and all of that stuff. Yep. But I can't even imagine 
trying to read the alethiometer <laughs> and get knowledge of this other world, but also not having knowledge of it at the same time. It's all about context, right? Right. Like the answers, it's, it's the whole Oracle thing. The answers make sense if you have the information coming into it that you need to interpret it. Otherwise, it's just, you're just guessing. Right. It's just words. And Fra Pavel's really experienced in this thing mm-hmm. because he's read all of the text and he knows exactly what the signs mean. So unequivocally, categorically, they mean what they mean, but he doesn't understand himself. Right. Um, so then we see Borold and Asriel uh, back at the lab. He asks about a brush for Lyra's teeth. <laughs> and Asriel says it won't be necessary because they have a bigger enemy. Um, a bigger enemy than gingivitis. I can't imagine one. The enemy. <laughs> uh, I nope, don't know enough about dentistry. Was going to make a joke. Not that smart. <laughs> the enemy is plaque, really. Plaque. Uh, I think that enemy. other worlds can wait. Yes. Borold agrees to protect Lyra. Thorold. It's Thorold. Borold. Borold. I keep calling it Borold. I know. <laughs> you know, once you type these nonsensical words into... <laughs> Uh, Google Docs enough, it starts to autocorrect. Thorold. Thorold. Sorry, y'all. Boreal and Thorold. If they had a child, we'd be called Borold. Uh, Thorold agrees to protect Lyra, but wants Asriel to say goodbye to her first. Mm-hmm. And he will not. The bigger enemy he refers to seems to be the other side of that, the Aurora? He seems to be referring to the authority, which is this god. world's church's way of saying god yeah so basically he wants to fight god and get all the answers from him i mean why not <laughs> sure who else the only thing that's a guarantee is, is that we have this one life so i say fight god every chance you get <laughs> why wouldn't you <laughs> yeah why wouldn't with you with the opportunity yeah um thorold has really dug his own grave here because his insistence on having Asriel say goodbye to Lyra mm-hmm. is also the perfect opportunity to separate the two so that Roger can be stolen away. Yep. It's true. I don't I don't really know what to make of this Thorold character. He's a victim of circumstance. He's not really. He knew no. who he was working for. He is also he's just as complicit as the people in the facility at Bullvanger. As the nurses. Right, exactly. So, just uh, because he happens to think that a kid should brush their teeth at night and say goodbye to their father before he fucking leaves forever, it doesn't magically make him a great guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in the next scene, Lyra and Pan are in the bath, and Pan tries to convince Lyra they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger comes in backwards. Very cutely, yes. Yeah. Very respectfully. And it tells Lyra that her dad looked at him like he was a cartoon wolf and it was creepy. And Why would he know about cartoons? Good question. Mm-hmm. Excellent question. That's interesting. I don't know that I, we have seen video in this world. No, you're right. Yeah. I've seen like cartoon maps being drawn or not cartoon, but like hand drawn maps being mm-hmm. drawn, but it's not animation. No, Roger doesn't have access to newspapers and things like to that. Fucking Looney Tunes? No, he does not. 
Holy it's shit. a political cartoon. It looks like a wolf from a political cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So there's another person that's traveling between worlds that we just discovered, but it doesn't matter. He's dead now. <laughs> All right. We'll never get the answer to that. Uh, Roger tells Lyra that parents are more trouble than they're worth and let's pretend to be orphans together. And oh my God. Wonderful. I can imagine being a person watching the show that has, you know, a really great relationship with your parents and the church, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I don't know if that kind of person would necessarily want to watch a show like this. Exactly. That's what I'm wondering. When you make a show like this, are there any people out there that have had this kind of perfect upbringing and just are voyeuristic and are (laughs) interested in what, you know, people with really troublesome upbringings are like? Or is this just a complete turnoff? Like, this is unrealistic. There's no way (laughs) anyone would ever reject their kids like this. Yeah. Just curiosity. It would be interesting to know. Um. And the other thing about this is, like, I don't know how you felt when you were a kid reading these books, but mm-hmm. I felt this very much when I was reading Harry Potter, for instance, or any other kind of YA thing. Because YA things don't exist without some sort of serious conflict, and that's usually mm-hmm. a loss of a parent or both, or some other kind of traumatic thing. Right. But I, yeah, I identified with that a lot. Mm-hmm. And you could have this sort of escape was reading and right. and being in a part of these worlds where you could dream of something bigger and better, but also I'm not magic. Yeah. And your letter is never going to come. I was never special. I'm not chosen for anything. Mm-hmm. I just, I just suck and I don't have great parents. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, we need more mundane YA. I think, I think that would be good. Yeah. I want to see people overcoming the circumstances that they were dragged into, but without waving a magic wand at it or, Reading an alethiometer or right. insert other thing here. Yeah. 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 I can see Finding this. Finding a portal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Portal <laughs> fantasy. Oh. Portal, yes. Loved portal. Another this is a whole other world. Fantasy. Fuck this situation. A whole fuck this world. Yeah. Yes, right. I'm there. <laughs> Maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. <laughs> well, that's not us. We'll never know. Except for this magic podcast we've created together. Um. So Boreal and the pale-faced man are talking over Thomas's body. I have to issue a small correction here. I thought the pale-faced man was Thomas, the red-headed guy right. in previous episodes. But apparently the pale-faced man is that, and he doesn't have a name. Thomas was the red-headed guy who's dead. Boreal tasks him with getting rid of the boy, or the body, rather, and <laughs> finding the boy, and... It's interesting that if you can't trust him this far, the most important things he has to do now, you're going to trust him with. Um, yeah, you would think you'd be able to call in favors elsewhere because this dude botched it so badly. But, right. But as we find out, when he starts speaking into his police scanner, dude's a fucking dirty cop. Of course he is. And explains the mustache. Oh, is he an actual cop? He's a cop. Oh, I thought He's he was just cop. pretending. Nope. Holy He's shit! A cop. It's the the mustache. It's it was right there in front of us the whole the time. The whole time. The mustache. The I shouldn't know. face. Sorry, I. Not all cops are like this. I just but, I'm laughing. You know, some stereotypes exist for a reason. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So fuck that guy. Fuck that Extra, guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck dirty cops. Fuck people who use their authority to hurt other people. Yes. Yeah. 
So as his as a dirty cop, he puts out an APB for Will Perry's uh, likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, Lyra and Roger are playing in their pillow or pillow fort and eating sandwiches. <laughs> And Roger comes up with the idea to ask the alethiometer how true Asriel really is. Mm-hmm. What he really feels. Right. And she doesn't do that. She does not. She just chooses not to for some reason. Yeah. I, I kind of respect, but also am incredulous about the alethiometer and its use in this series. Like, I could see her using it more often and getting kind of mixed results. Like, Fra Pavel got, you know, it's a tower with angels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something she doesn't quite understand, like the way she was led to find Billy Costa's body. Right. But it's just, it's, it's convenient the times when she doesn't. That's maybe the problem. it was like, maybe if they made it kind of draining on her. Yeah. It's something she can't use often. She has to really be selective about when and how and what questions she asks of it. Yeah, if she had daily charges and when she used them up, she couldn't use them right. anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it is really difficult to introduce this device that can basically tell you exactly what you want to know mm-hmm. about literally anything and just have that be there all the time, like a loaded gun, a loaded right. Chekhov's dust meter <laughs> thing yeah like mrs Golter's hand cannon she's loading at the beginning of this episode back. Yeah. never comes back it never comes back it comes back in the final episode but only because we use it to identify that that's a woman that's approaching asriel at the end i guess like we see the gun behind her back and like oh that's oh well they just immediately told us who it was <laughs> that you know what that might have been the use of that gun i didn't pick up on that there you go the gun Weird. was used to kill Benjamin DeRoyter, yeah. so why even bring it back? I think you're right. I think just as an immediate means of identification. Or maybe they wanted us to think for a second there that, that she, she would actually kill, him. kill yeah. him. Uh, So Lyra and Roger have a really sweet moment together where they appreciate the change they made to each other's lives. Mm-hmm. More adorable hugs. Sweet little... And then they burst out into a rendition of little orphan annies <laughs> tomorrow thought for sure you were gonna go for a cat's thing i was waiting for it i was waiting to not it's always the there at, at the tip of my tongue yeah. but i i just choose to deploy it something and... something jellical <laughs> yes yeah i choose my jellical times for those jellical references i'm glad that lyra got this this one little very nice moment with her very good friend mm-hmm. before he's gone forever mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. something at least that's it just, this uh this in this encampment. Yeah. <laughs> Someone made an encampment in the living room. <laughs> Some sort of encampment. Where I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, just, it's I'm so fine. I love to... it. It's I I wasn't gonna reference that later, um uh, that specific line, but that's really cute. No, I cannot let that shit slide. And there's something in me that like the person who cannot really separate the art from the artist in a very small way mm-hmm. where I see that Lyra or Daphne Keene's actual father is the one that delivers that line and it's just I don't know it seems cute to me <laughs> some kind of encampment can you imagine <laughs> just like recycling those lines at home together <laughs> Lyra or Daphne go clean your room there's some kind of encampment in there <laughs> that's the kind of fan fiction I write in my head it's much more wholesome than it usually is <laughs> congratulations <laughs> thank you uh, yeah it's a really mixed bag in there there's no in-betweens. There's just extremes. Uh, speaking of blanket forts, 
we get to see Azriel straight creeping into a blanket for it. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> to wake Lyra up for a little midnight chat. Yeah. He comes and collects Lyra, and what we now know is just a diversionary tactic while mm-hmm. Borald, Thorold, collects Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells her, or I mean, Azriel tells Lyra that the Magisterium is afraid of dust because they are afraid it is actual physical sin. Which we keep hearing. This is like the fifth time that we've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's original sin. We get it. We get it. Yeah, we Filed got it. away. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in case you weren't clear, let's recount that Bible story there. Yeah. <laughs> they have original sin in this universe, but Eve had a demon. Mm-hmm. And instead of wearing clothes, the demon settled into its final form when she bit into the apple. Right. Yeah. This was a really cool, uh, world appropriate retelling of Genesis 3. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, the Bible, Genesis 3. Have you heard uh, of it? I don't know. I figured Bible. I should specify. <laughs> it's a book called Genesis 3. You know what? It's actually a pretty cool title for a book. Yeah, it really is. Shit. Okay, I play the sorry. shit out of that game. Genesis 3. It's really cool. Oh, would it just be Spore, though? Ugh, oh, yeah. I don't think I can do Spore no. again. I don't think I can lose that many same files <laughs> in this year of our Lord. 20, almost 20. 20, almost 20. <laughs> uh, so Asriel has discovered that dust is measurable and it's science, not evil or sin. And Asriel learns that from Lyra that Coulter stopped Lyra's demon from being cut which mm-hmm. seems shocking to him like he knew that there would be a time when Lyra's demon was almost cut from her mm-hmm. and then it was equally was also surprised that Coulter would stop it from happening I think he was surprised that she was exhibiting any kind of maternal instinct even though she repeatedly but it seemed like a really pointed question for him to say did they try to cut your demon from you yeah. I mean, she was in Bullvanger, so it kind of makes sense. I guess he didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're missing the scenes. Like, this, uh, that's <laughs> fine, but we're missing the scenes where he gets all the nitty gritty details out of her. Right. Um. So it's a lot of assumptions happening here. Um. Asriel plans on traveling between the worlds to find out what dust is and to find the source. Mm-hmm. Because the source isn't this world. The source isn't the rifts in places themselves it seems to be coming from one maybe one source maybe the authority the authority yeah it is mm. here at least we'll see we'll see what his actual fucking aim is later on but here he's trying to say that he just wants to he just wants to do a little quick Q&A with God. <laughs> just want to ask him what just everything AMA. is. What is the meaning of the life, the universe, and everything? Is it 42? I will be very angry if dust is 42. <laughs> little, I already know what little it is. A little hitchhiker's but... guide for everyone. <laughs> just, you're nerds. You knew. <laughs> she didn't have to explain that no. to you. No, but I want I yeah, I want to make people who didn't know think that I'm the stupid one for having to say it. Oh, that's there very, it's a very kind service you've done for them. <laughs> but... Yeah, he uh, he's uh, the authority. So in the True Blood universe, the authority was played by Christopher Maloney. So that'd be that'd be great if they could bring that back. Mm. James McAvoy is going to go head to head with Christopher Maloney as the authority. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's it's canon it. now. Yep. <laughs> um, but he also says that he was glad to see her come. And is she is a product of something extraordinary. 
Yeah. Which, of course, she is. Like, we've seen on our own that Mrs. Coulter and Asriel are incredible minds, incredible, you know, confidence and assertiveness. They're just Ambition. incredible people. Yeah. So, I mean, we've already seen that Lyra is something to behold herself. She can hold her own in a verbal match or, you know, sparring match with Asriel and Coulter, both. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, her best, one of her best friends is the king of the... Panzer Panzerbjorn? Yeah. That's not nothing. Yeah, she's got aeronaut friends and witch friends mm-hmm. and Panzerbjorn friends. Egyptian friends. Just Egyptian like Egyptian friends? Yeah. This girl is something she's special. She's forgotten about all of them, of course, but of we course. know that she technically has I them. mean, they got her to Bullvanger, so just Right, off. yeah, she doesn't have to think about <laughs> them anymore. Uh, so she goes back to sleep in a chair, which, you know, mm-hmm. is, makes sense. She's watching gonna... the Aurora, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Watching the Aurora. She's settling into this chair. She's thinking about the confrontation she just had with her father. Um, so that's a really believable way to separate those two further. Mm-hmm. In case you were wondering at what point Roger was snuck out. Yeah. And quick cut of Mrs. Coulter being within sight of the same Aurora that Lyra is falling asleep to. Yeah. And just the very edges of her face are are outlined by that kind of greenish light yeah it's a beautiful shot so good yeah i mean especially with like the these entire scenes with asriel and lyra speaking mm-hmm. with the shifting colors yeah. yeah it's really good it's like a fairy dance party yeah i love it yeah it's very I, calm i would be really interested to see any behind the scenes like aside from what lynn manuel's been posting on twitter <laughs> i would love to watch some of the making of these uh this show it seems really interesting yeah it does um yeah i would love to know how they i mean we know how they got the bears it's just a guy the actual mm-hmm. actor running with the bear head but some of the other things it's got to be really interesting um you see the construction of these mountain sets yeah because you know they had to build that stuff yeah uh boreal checks in with the pale man in our world Mm-hmm. And he talks to his snake about the Tower of Angels and the legends. So the Tower of Angels is a thing. Mm-hmm. And there are legends and prophecies, which we've already known, but he's now giving credence to. Um, And Will Barry is on a bus to somewhere. Bus to somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? Does he have a specific location in mind? Difficult to say. I don't know. That was one thing I kind of... Yeah, now's a good time as any. Okay. It was one thing I was really wondering... In this episode, I think it it failed to show us or explain it to us in any meaningful way how he ended up where he ended up. Yeah, I was doing, you know, I was having some shower thoughts this morning and I was trying to work out what the fuck is going on in this young man's mind. You kill on accident a home intruder that's Mm -hmm. so easily played off to the police and not even played off. It's easily explainable to the police. This man was in my home. I have some boxing training, so yes, I could hold my own, and I accidentally pushed him over the railing, and he died. I can give you maybe a little bit of insight into that. Uh, Because of the very specific type of upbringing I had, I learned to fear even the idea of CPS. I don't know what the British equivalent of that is. Yes, that's what I was going to get to, yeah. Yeah, so that fear is so deep whenever you have a troubled parent. Yes, just the only I don't one. think his mom would be like this, but I've known people in my lifetime who anytime there's even a little bit of bad behavior or something, 
the threat is that CPS will come and take you yes. and put you in a foster home and mm-hmm. bad things will happen to you. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. better do everything you can to avoid that. Even but, running from the law after you kill a dude. Yeah. I mean, those are, I guess, I guess I thought maybe Will was a little bit more sensible and realistic than that. Yeah. Like, that's a plausible reason to have killed a man. But also, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. That the police eventually, maybe neighbors, go to check on you? And you and your mom aren't home, but and from the entry guy. doorway, you can right. see a dead man in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Your mom's going to be fat. I mean, the gym teacher, the boxing coach, is a, is not going to keep her forever. Eventually, he's going to go to the authorities, right? Right. And, you know, because he can't take care of this person. He's really ill-equipped to take care of by himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, again, it's, how old is Will? 13 he's, to 15 he's 12 i think really he's not even yeah he's i think he's supposed to be 12 the same age as lyra okay he definitely looks older but i think it's just because he's tall well yeah i mean he's super mature because does, he's he had to take care of like an adult mother he's supposed to be in middle school already yeah or, sorry high school yeah but something maybe like I was that. Wrong about that i just he looks freshman age to me but if he's 13 or god damn if he's 12. I know. I keep saying 13. That's just a made-up number that I came up with. It's the age that a person becomes a teenager. I don't know. It's when a <laughs> a Jewish boy becomes a man, for sure. There's a right involved with all of that. So Lyra wakes up when she hears Thorold loudly packing. And he says, oh, good, you're awake. We got to go because the magisterium is on its way. And she sees that Asriel and Roger are gone and figures out quickly that Roger is going to be used for Asriel's purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but he, he straight up said there's a burst of energy whenever a person separated from their demon. So Yeah, and it seems like one of those things that I think Lyra knew in the very back of her mind was mm-hmm. always there. She just needed this kind of catalyst to unlock it. And she did immediately. So it's really believable that she would jump to that conclusion. And she runs outside and calls for Yorick. And this scene kind of got me teared up because Yorick is there immediately. And he's mm-hmm. got bears. Yeah. Not just one or two. He's got bears in reserve who are there ready to back her up. There's a problem. He is right there ready yeah. to solve it. Hard not to love somebody like that. Yeah. So it makes me kind of regretful that we spent any time at all establishing a relationship between... <laughs> Lyra and Lee Scoresby when Yorick was obviously the more important relationship, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. It's very human-centric. <laughs> um, then we... So, for the rest of the episode, we're going to do, like, quick cuts back and forth, mm-hmm. and I might consolidate later on those cuts. Yeah, it's fine. It's... I mean, they're basically... It is Lyra making her way up the mountain. Right. And Will making his way to... In a Death. unspecified location that Death he had in mind is where already. he's going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Asriel and Roger are traveling through the pass and Stelmaria watches over them. So this scene is especially creepy because they're on their way up. Roger is, I mean, he's still a young boy, so he's very naive in what's happening. We know that he believes there's some sort of surprise for Lyra in wait. <sighs> Buck wild. The top of a fucking mountain. Yeah, kid. There's a surprise up there. Sure. Right. But who would think? Like, you know, even though he's a bad dad, he wouldn't kill me. (laughs) And that's that's kind of like the motives I run through in my own head. 
He's a bad dad, but he wouldn't like kill a kid. He's not yeah, a kid cutter. They only to... do that in Bolvanger. Lyra is so great, and he is re- he create half created Lyra. How could he be right a kid killer? Exactly. He, and he yeah. accepted them. He made them food. Made them let them make a blanket fort. <laughs> <laughs> Even more heartbreaking. But Selmaria doing this like snow leopard watching over routine is so terrifying because you know that if Roger at any point decides that he's made it he's regained his faculties and mm-hmm. he's ready to run you know Stelmari is just going to pounce on his demon and stop yeah. them I also think he's probably having her prowl so that Roger can't mm-hmm. see what's up before mm-hmm. it's too late yeah just the uh, just the threat of a threat is enough to stop people mm-hmm so we see the magisterium float directly up to Azrael's lab mm-hmm. and blast their way in. Mrs. Coulter searches the lab, dismisses all of the other people as soon as they realize that there's no one actually there, sees Azrael's window calculations, checks the telescope. She's there. She knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thorold knocks out McPhail and takes aim at Coulter. However, she speaks to his humanity enough that she allows him to escape which is funny that she allows the man holding a gun at her face to escape and that just speaks to the power of Coulter's influence Mm -hmm. so she pursues Azrael on her own I have questions about how or I mean Coulter actually got there because it took it took a trek on foot for Asriel and Roger to make it up to the top of the mountain mountain with multiple hours. It's got to be hours of advance uh, progress mm-hmm. from the bears running full bear speed after them. Right. So they've got that much of a advance. I wonder how Coulter got there my without seeing a balloon pull directly up. I was going to say my assumption is the balloons. I mean, they already knew that the Magisterium was there, right? Like, they, they're not hiding anymore. If there's a balloon in the mountains, you're going to see a balloon in the mountains. Right, but, but I, I feel like Mrs. Coulter is also trying to do this secret double sides game. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't have a that's balloon right. operator. Yeah, she can't just take one go to go over there. That's a... That's a fair point. Right. As McPhail is the only person who would really give her away to the Magisterium unless you get a bunch of lackeys mm-hmm. operating a balloon to get her there faster. Right. The, I guess I it's, sorry, it's not technically a balloon. It's a dirigible. But you it's, know it has I mean. a propulsion system that isn't <laughs> witches. <laughs> so it must be a dirigible. Exactly. Exactly. How did she get there so fucking fast and secretly? That's a good question. I just assumed that she hopped. Uh, Zeppelin, but yeah, but also she but it's still is definitely super. trying to keep it. She's trying to keep it secret where Azrael is. Yeah, it's yeah. a very secret mission that she manages to keep secret. Mm-hmm. I have a question about McPhail's demon. Mm-hmm. Does he have one? He should. He should. I mm-hmm. just realized in this scene that he doesn't have a visible one. And everyone remember. should have one, right? Yeah, I don't remember what his is. Is his a snake too? Exactly. Exactly, okay. Alexis. That's the crux <laughs> of the problem here. <laughs> I know Fra Pavels is like some kind of some kind of bug. Like a dragonfly or something. Yeah. yeah. He had something flying, but yeah, where are the demons? <laughs> um <Sleep> so, snake. <laughs> yeah. So we go to Will in a cafe 
you know, desperately refreshing the news on BBC, of course, Mm -hmm. to see if, I assume, presumably he's looking for news of a dead body found in an apartment or a home that doesn't have anybody to speak for it. And there's no sign of anything like that. So he keeps moving. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty clever of him. He, you know, that cop had no reason to even be looking for him, but just in case, let's, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, for sure. A quick cut to Azrael making it to the top of the mountain and powering up a generator Mm -hmm. while Roger asks, where's the surprise for Lyra? (laughs) Something that requires a generator is a surprise. It's a a giant inflatable polar bear (laughs) at the top of this mountain. It's great. She'll love it. It's so good. It's full of Christmas lights. (laughs) I don't know where this went wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's Barbie's dream car. <laughs> uh, the bears are in hot pursuit. Um, can we talk about differences differences between the book and the show here? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they see the magisterium approaching. The bears do, and they open, and the magisterium opens fire with their cannons at the bears, mm-hmm. and the bears prepare the prepare the fire hurlers. Yep, um, there are skydivers. From the magisterium that also conveniently all have bird demons Mm -hmm. and this is a really cool shot so i don't want to detract from that the shot of them like separating from the shoulders of the skydivers at the Mm -hmm. same time and the birds doing this like dive bomb thing yeah so cool but also you've all got bird demons too for fuck's sake (laughs) honestly it was a little bit confusing for me for a second there i thought they were that witches had shown up because their demons are always bird demons yeah so i for like two seconds i was not sure what the fuck was going on right i I had to rewatch the scene multiple times because i thought for a second that when they dove out they were turning into birds (laughs) and i was like what the fuck yes i'm here for (laughs) it um always wanted but yeah i mean it's just like when you're 15 or whatever age that your demon settles at, are mm-hmm. you really sure that you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? You're yeah. going to be a skydiver for the rest of your life. You're going to be Egyptian forever. Or let's consider this. What your demon settles as ends up influencing your career choices. I know, but that's bizarre and unrealistic because <laughs> a lot of adult humans mm-hmm. change careers three or four times in their life and to be that sure of what you're going to be when you're in puberty Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life seems like a really unfair way to live your life like yeah i mean it's plausible that if you're 15 and your demon settles at a labrador retriever you're going to be just a house servant for the rest of your life like mr carson on down abbey like that is your life's calling and it always will be Mm -hmm. like my husband aaron Wanted to be a computer programmer from the time he was really young. And programming computers was very new technology and he just learned with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what he always wanted to do. Right. But he's also changed his career after that. <laughs> so I don't know. What comes first? That's true. I the think chicken talked- career or the, the, the egg epiphany? <laughs> sure. We've talked before, I think, about the reference that has been made in the book. Um, there was a guy who his demon settled as a dolphin. 
So he was basically cursed to just yes. be on, be in the ocean, it's in such the ocean a, be on the ocean all the time. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite stories is that, you know, that guy or from the book that I read is that guy, he had that same, that same sort of like sadness that, uh, uh, Farter Quorum has mm-hmm. about Sophonax, Sophonax, Sophonax is that, you know, this is great. This mm-hmm. is who I am. But sometimes I just wish it to be different. It can be very limiting to be the person you are. Yeah. yeah. Not somebody else. <laughs> yes. This is true. This is relatable. Yeah. And I, I okay, this is the last I'm going to, I'm going to say it this season. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that like with Mrs. Coulter and her monkey is a great example of uh, a mental illness, uh, maybe a bipolar disease or some kind of, uh, you know, self-harming type of thing. And I think that's a great metaphor for that. And I think that Lyra and Pan, every time they have interactions, is so great because you can see the dichotomy dichotomy of your own mind saying like, well, I'm scared, but I'm going to do this. But I'm so scared, but I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's something realistic that we can all you know, identify with. And it seems like there's just a lot left on the table when you have such incredible concepts and such beautiful scenery that you can explore it with. It's true. And These you're not. <laughs> well. You're not picking a lane. They're not picking any lanes. Spoiler alert. Maybe they didn't pick a lane because they don't have to pick a lane. The well, next season or the season after that. I'm just saying. That might hurt them. We've got some feedbackers that have opinions. It's true. Uh, so anyway. Let's not digress any further, Alexis. <laughs> Listen, if you didn't come here for di- for digressions, then then what are you here for? <laughs> what are you yes. here for? <laughs> are you here for content? Are you here to he- here to hear a review of this show? That's weird. <laughs> a review of the show? I don't. Come on, make up your own opinion. Just hear us talk about bullshit. Um, we say fuck a lot. <laughs> we do say fuck a lot. I'm so sorry. Again, I'm we not... don't know who our audience is either. We're just we have the same audience that HBO does, and that's like mm-hmm. I can tell you what we're not gonna have sex or be violent on air. Yes. So that's a that's Confirmed. a bald move guarantee. Bald move promise. <laughs> so the bears are in the same scene. The bears are under fire, and one dies right in front of Lyra. Oh, so sad. So sad. Yeah, and he he takes a tumble he... too. <sighs> got some mass behind him i kind of noticed that they're also using the same style of armor that mm-hmm. york was before he left Handmade or he style. went back to yeah okay yeah see i had the question that whether or not their armor was like handmade in mm-hmm. their own personal taste yeah, yeah taste and style or if it was uniform to whoever the current king is they're all supposed to look different but it saves a lot of money if they all just look the mm-hmm. same also saving a lot of money is using the same trick of Lyra being absolutely horrified by the violence that's going around her, going on around her to not show the rest of the violence. All you have to do there is show an icy wall. Yep. Basically. They're just playing fire. off of her mm-hmm. face. And this one, this, this, this one con- worked for me. Yeah. This one yeah. works a little bit better because they describe the fire hurlers. Mm-hmm. Don't know but- how they got those up there, but yeah. Exactly. I'm not. They don't show us what mechanism triggers a fire hurler, how it even works. They all have like balls of like, they're like Molotov cocktails. They have leather pouches they're slinging. Who mm-hmm. knows? 
it's for us to decide and that and this one works a little bit better because you can see in a blurry background that one of them takes down a what's the word you used blimp i i said dirigible dirigible one of them yeah. takes down a dirigible <laughs> <laughs> and it crashes in front of her and this is very it's very visceral for her to be experiencing and feeling these being a war and also like she may have thought that she was past this. She meant she mentions earlier in the episode that she's she is feeling like she is done with this. She has done her job. She just wants to go home. And but once again, she finds herself in the middle of really horrific. Violence. Right. She's planning on just going to save Roger from mm -hmm. something, something that she can't even admit to herself is happening. Right. Like there's no way she's going to tell herself that Roger is going to be cut from his demon at the top of this mountain. She just knows that there's something afoot, mm -hmm. right? And now this battle is broken out and things are becoming really real. Um, so this works a lot for me, except that I could have used a lot more battle scenes and actual things happening. Um, yeah. Roger sees the battle unfolding below that these the magisterium balloons are firing at the at the bears and unfortunately it has given Azrael a little bit more time to work because the they're not focusing the attention where it should be mm -hmm. because mrs coulter has diverted that attention yep. i assume she sent them after the bears and not after the real action um uh, Asriel snatches Roger up and locks him in the cutting cage and we all know it's coming now. Says the worst fucking or one of the worst lines ever. I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Mm -hmm. Not I'm sorry that I have to do yeah. this to you. It's I'm sorry that I'm so sorry. outside forces are acting upon your life to end it. Yeah, you should yeah. have making friends made friends with some other kind of rich orphan at the college. Uh, you fool. <laughs> right. Some other intensely charismatic human. As a woman, I identify with that a lot. I'm sorry this is happening to you. <laughs> so Lyra and Yorick reach an impasse and a literal impasse here where he can't cross this ice bridge and she can with her demon. Mm -hmm. And they say their goodbyes and thank yous. It's so sweet. She kisses him on the nose. I know. Adorable. Yeah. It's, it's very so good. Cute. Uh, don't do this to real polar bears. They will destroy you. They will eat your face. <laughs> But, I, you know, I'd let them. If I saw a polar bear, I'd still do the same thing. Oh, no. I'd kiss its nose and it would kill me. Gently maul you to death. <laughs> gently. Very gently. And, and sweetly and softly. Yeah. <laughs> so Asriel apologizes to Roger, thanks him for his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Lyra climbs up the cliff face as Pan is scouting out. He switches to a bird to scout out. He, uh, he, she, they both see them at the top. Asriel hand cuts Roger's demon away yeah. as Lyra's approaching. It's the most rusty, this yeah. is not the same intercision device. No. Salcilia so dissolves into dust. She poofs, like she, she poofs like a little dusty balloon. And for some reason, the way that they did that. Made it so much more effective than other demon poofings that we've seen. Yeah. This it has to be. Rough. Okay, so this is the part where I want to talk about differences between book and show. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference here. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't really a book versus show difference, but 
it seems like Asriel hand cutting this demon away causes Roger and Salcilia's death instead yes. of just an actual separation. And it also caused some sort of burst that blew Lyra off the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, Lyra and Roger have this really sweet moment of goodbye right here. Mm-hmm. She kept her promise that she would be there with him always. And he dies in the same moment. Why did this cutting cause his death? Because it was so violent. And we know... Is this like proto-technology that Bolvanger has improved, improved upon? upon? Yeah. We get the we get the sense that Azrael made this machine that could do this thing and said, mm-hmm. that's good enough. Doesn't matter what happens to the kid after. Right, exactly. Which is interesting. Because the it- Magisterium has been shown to be, or portrayed to be, this evil force. Yes, they were doing this thing en masse, but they were also improving the technology as they went. And Azrael got the the mi- the minimum viable product right and stopped there right so it immediately killed him or is it mo or is it more powerful if you use the proto technology that just like cuts the kid violently and you get a bigger burst of dust or dust energy i just say energy it's very i'm, I'm still confused i'm still very confused yeah. about dust um and he just like capitalized on that technology and it makes it so much worse i think to watch the show versus reading the books whenever you know that there are different ways to get into other worlds you don't Mm -hmm. have to do this this violent thing that he's doing that he's been trying to do through this whole season like boreal he could have just found a window but he hasn't killed anyone i don't think well i don't think (laughs) not himself no He's menaced many people. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no. He has killed a woman. He did. The journalist. Yeah, he, he squished a moth. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. But not to open a portal. Nope. Just to so, be a monster. <laughs> Asriel opens the portal of all fucking portals when he does and this. it is beautiful. Yeah. So pretty. Uh, so, the portal opens as everyone, the bear fights and the magisterium fights, you can see from their vantage point that everyone's looking on to this incredible opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coulter finds Asriel at the doorway. and She's got the gun behind her back, so we recognize that it's Coulter. Because the gun does not once become a threat to Asriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tries to stop him from going to the other world. Because she has really bought into this magisterium crap. Uh, we don't know the person she was before, but we know the person she is now, I guess. She still mm-hmm. loves him, still wants to work on behalf of the Magisterium, who have shut her out from everything now. They didn't shut her out before when she had power, but she lost everything due to the explosions and, you know, her failures. So <laughs> she's still she still wants to stick around for her daughter. Um, That's what she says, yeah. Yeah, she tries to reject it at first, and he draws her forward because the mat- or the sunlight from this other world on her face is extraordinary. Just feeling the heat from a new place mm-hmm. has got to have some sort of draw to it. <clears throat> he asks her to come with him. Yep. He explains his whole thing, which now we see not only does he want to have a conversation with God, but he wants to... Be God. Basically. I mean, you could definitely interpret it that way. He is right. He wants to set himself a new Republic of Heaven. The authority is. Mm-hmm. is an interesting term because we can quickly, as 
us in our present day, we can make a distinction between that and the authority is something that is to be feared mm-hmm. and also revered and respected at the same time. Right. But if you call it God, it's it's something else. Mm-hmm. The authority is something that he can usurp. Usurp. He can become God himself. The authority himself? Yeah. What is the authority? Where is it? I don't know. I, Azrael's I, gonna find I it. I know. I know all the things, <laughs> but I won't say. So um, during the scene where they're kind of like consoling each other and having this uh, coming together again, their demons nuzzle each other and kiss. Mm-hmm. Really, really going for the, yeah. the full rub. So Maria and th- this monkey still has its own needs. Mm-hmm. I think the very human pathological type of needs that she's repressing, mm-hmm. this demon is still is still living out. And she's too distracted to hit him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it sounds like really hot sex. Do they... <laughs> so they have this sort of rapport when they're having sex. Do the demons have sex separately, like, in a different place at the same time while humans are having sex? Mm-hmm. We're asking the real hard-hitting questions here at Bald Move. Yeah, Can you describe I... it, like, in detail for me? I don't know what the actual function is. I know that the demons do are physically close. <laughs> While people are having sex, if you must know, you dirty birds. Mm-hmm. That's right. Drink out of your job of the hut. I'm one of those dirty you birds. <laughs> you are one of those dirty birds. Just, can you talk a little bit more slowly? Yes. Then <laughs> <laughs> just tell me in detail how the sex works with demons. If I don't come, you'll try and destroy me. <laughs> That's a terrible segue. No. Oh okay. God. So <laughs> I wanted to say. She went there. <laughs> Okay, every adaptation of this series has tried to at least a little bit rehabilitate Asriel because mm. he is a right bastard no, in the books. Shit. He is awful. He speaks so disrespectfully to everybody. And I would like to read a little section here. This is what he said to her. This is what Asriel said to Coulter? To, to Coulter in the book. Yeah. Okay. So Whenever in the book, she, when she this is, whole thing kind of like played out this kind of the same way. They met each other similar. at the gate. He's just... The demons are, instead of gently rubbing against each other, they're, like, lightly scratching each other. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Yes. And at one point, Stelmaria actually, like, has her has her teeth kind of in the monkey a little really? bit. Really? Yes. Sploosh. And when Mrs. Coulter says, or Miss Coulter says that she basically intimates that she maybe doesn't want to come, mm-hmm. she says mm-hmm. to him, if I don't come, you'll try and destroy me. And he, this absolute terrible person says to her why should I want to destroy you come with me work with me and I'll care whether you live or die stay here and you lose my interest at once don't flatter yourself that I'd give you a second's thought now stay and work your mischief in this world or come with me huh. that is how he spoke to this woman uh. and that's kind of how he speaks to everybody in the books Yeah. so like super fuck him don't fuck him but fuck him yeah fuck him he, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if, as long as your interests are aligned, he'll mm-hmm. be your truest friend, but the second they're not, then you're wondering what truest friend really means. Yep. That's yeah. what, that's how she managed to get Thorold to not shoot her earlier, is yeah. by saying, basically, Azrael is terrible to the people who work for him. Mm-hmm. And he has been. Yep. Uh, so, 
in this scene, Coulter remembers that their child is in this world, and Mm -hmm. that's what matters to her most now. She says. Yeah. She says. And she wants to stay with Lyra, wherever Lyra is. And Azrael crosses over. He takes one long look at Coulter as she walks away and then forgets her immediately when he mm-hmm. turns around, I yep. assume. Just like a just like a child. <laughs> Can't see it anymore. It doesn't exist. Yep, exactly. That's a shiny object, but here's a new shinier one. Look at this one. It is made of rainbow threads. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. This one can make me God, so... Uh, we go back to our world and Will Perry is walking the street and organically kind of find, okay. So this is the, this is where I'm going to sort of just like lump together the end scenes. I'm not going to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. So Will Will Perry rather, sorry, walking the street organically finds a place that Boreal uses to travel between worlds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will Perry meets a cat in the courtyard and it shows him through a gate to the portal. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so he just got off. I assume he just got off on the bus in yeah. the area where Boreal uses. But that's the cat- where Boreal parks his car. That's not. It's not the portal that Boreal uses. The portal that Boreal uses is inside a greenhouse. That's he what, did not that's go what I thought. There was like this V-shaped place. This there, is- his Tesla is parked over here, <laughs> and then there's this like gateway uh, gate fence that Boreal uses to jump through. That's not the place. What? No, it's not the same place. Huh. And that's an important distinction for season two. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, no, it's Because a it clearly shows that same V-shaped there's a different park. Door. There's a different door. Yeah, but the only reason we ever saw that V-shaped park was because uh. that was where Boreal parked his car. That is not where Boreal crossed through. Okay. This may be another door that he doesn't know about. Or maybe he does know about it, but I can tell you that it doesn't go to the place that the other place goes all right the place well that the other door goes the show the show is telling me something different i think i wish that they had shown that doorway literally anywhere else right because the fact that they are showing in a place that we've seen boreal multiple times yeah it would or maybe they're doing it on purpose actually now that i think about it they're trying to be sneaky they want you to think it's the same doorway. Although or they might be consolidating back, those stories. He has to like walk up some stairs to get to the doorway. Okay. And it's inside this overgrown conservatory sort of okay. place. But this is literally just behind a shed. Hmm. So there's that. All right. Well, this cat, this mysterious cat, which is not the same cat that mm-hmm. lived with Will Perry in his house. No, it's just a stray. Different cat showing him the way. Did yeah. the cat go through with him? I think it did. Yeah. Okay. I went through first and he, they didn't show this very well, but he saw the cat go through and he thought, oh, that's weird. So he went to <laughs> investigate his hand more in closely. First and then, okay. Yeah. Um, this other scene back in our, not our world, but in Lyra's world, Coulter leaves mm-hmm. and Lyra has woken up enough to know that she needs to hide from Mrs. Coulter. Uh, Lyra finds Roger's body on the top of the mountain and she apologizes and says goodbye. This is such a hard thing. I've been in this place. You've been in this place. I'm sure we all have. Like something bad has happened. It's our fault, but it's not our fault, mm-hmm. but it's our fault. And it's actions that you can't reverse, but it's something she has lived with forever and more, I guess, because she wanted her friend's company on this journey. Um, 
Lyra and Pan in this moment make a plan to cross over and find the dust and the source of it before Asriel does. Because that's, maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's not whatever Asriel thinks he can take to use to his advantage. Maybe it's something that needs protecting. And they have to leave Roger there Mm -hmm. in the ice. In the book, they say to each other, um, if the Magisterium is so convinced, if they think that dust is bad and they're bad, it must be good. Maybe dust is a force of good in the world instead of bad. Right. And then they... Yeah, decide to go through. So then in our final shot of the season, Pan and Lyra cross over into our world and Will crosses over into her world. Why are you thinking that? Because he he found a doorway and he's he's in the 2019 our world and he walked in. And then Pan and Lyra walked through the mountain doorway. But into... they didn't show anything after that? No. They just showed her walking in a white space? Yeah, you're right. You're making I'm, this some, is me making assumptions. Like They're yeah. jumping into each other's worlds just based on what Boreal has done. Maybe that's what the show wants you to think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just seems like they're crossing opposite of each other. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. There's one difference um, from the book that I did want to point out here. Azrael did not have his own indecision device in the book. Mm-hmm. What what happened was what happened was <laughs> Lyra gets to the top of the mountain. She grabs Roger and tries to run away with him. They start slipping down the the face of the mountain basically, and Azrael grabs, or I think Samaria grabs. Um, Salcilia, mm-hmm. Roger's demon, and Lyra tries to grab Roger, but her hand slips and he yeah. falls. And that, because the we separation. know that, that that people can't go very far away from their demons, and when they do, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's that separation, mm-hmm. and it's very violent, so that causes the same energy. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they changed that, but you know what? They did not do the work beforehand. To make us understand that someone falling away from their demon would do that. So that's why they had to make this. That's why they had to change that, I guess. There's no reason why separating from your demon should cause death. Until, I mean, from this indecision machine. I mean, in Balvanger, they do it often with mixed results i guess yeah but I, they do I guess they do kill people slowly often. they do it slowly with a lot of energy yeah but anytime it is done quickly and without mm-hmm. any assistance okay it that can be enough to sense. kill people yeah. especially if it's super violent like falling off a cliff or anything <laughs> yeah. like that or you know just being in a machine <laughs> yeah a or just being knife. an experimental machine that just is testing things out i can say this is maybe fun for people who have read all of the books. The and maybe they already know this, but just in case, the edge of the blade is made out of basically the same stuff as the edge of the subtle knife. And maybe you don't know what that is yet, and that's okay. But I will say they're made out of the same thing, so I wouldn't consider it a spoiler right now because they've made mention of, of a knife in a tower. Yeah. It's the subtle knife. Hmm. It's what the book the second book is named after. Subtle knife. Hmm. It's the knife. <laughs> the knife of destiny. 
<laughs> there you have it. That's that's the episode. That's, that's it. all I've got right now. I watched through all the damn credits just in case there would be something, and there was nothing. You? How often did you watch the opening credits? Always. Always. Mm-hmm. I like it. It kind of sets the tone for me. I do it with all the big shows. Yeah. All well. All the big shows that I like the songs for the opening yeah. credits. I do it with Westworld. I do it with, um, I did it with Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I know it's cool. It just kind of like gets me in the headspace for that universe. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Game of Thrones also was constantly changing, too. Yeah. I do I that with um, clockwork things. Outlander, which mm. I'm kind of embarrassed to enjoy as much as I do the Outlander series. Why are you embarrassed? Um, there is a lot of problematic shit that happens. There's gotcha. a lot of rape. A lot oh, of rape. Cool. And there's a lot of like romance and fun historical set pieces, but so much rape. And there's enough that it just it makes me really question my morals and how I can enjoy TV and like what they're trying to get away with. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think a little bit more cerebrally than you want to. And as women and people of this universe, I think that's something that you and I don't want to have to think about all the time, but it's done in an interesting, I don't know. I can't defend it right now. Yeah. That's the reason why it's problematic <laughs> for me, is I'm not prepared to defend it on air and what they do and how they get away with it and any of those things. It's something that needs a deeper reflective thing to look at, but it's also one of the most popular like, erotic type of romance novels that have ever sold mm-hmm. so it's interesting in that way but jesus christ fantasy <laughs> is especially bad i think at yeah that fantasy stuff. loves rape it's one of the things i love the most about the expanse is that there are there are stakes and women are involved in stakes very often but yeah. it's not sexual it's not it's not a body violating kind of thing right it's, it's always it's, something else it's, it's nice people being terrible in other ways yeah it's nice for us to be represented in a way that's not like oh our body autonomy is being taken away how mm-hmm. horrifying yeah the, the shit we live through every day right like we just talked about our experiences over the weekend mm-hmm. it's fucked up because it happens so often and so frequently that you don't want to be reminded of it but when it does happen it's nice to see it done like a, a meaningful purposeful way because that's all we want some purposes and some bullshit that we live through all the time sure yeah. uh, but i can go on for days about that um yeah that's that's his dark material season one that is season one i have i have two questions for you one okay. is not very important one could be fairly important okay because i think it is important to kind of end cap this in this way mm-hmm. what do you think that season two could do to improve upon the failings of season one for you so some of the failings of season one that i've noticed are one they're really gun shy about the battles which are super interesting mm-hmm. and like the way the second battle with the fire hurlers and all that shit that played out a little bit better than the first bear fight mm-hmm. which was so hyped up for us <laughs> Um, I think Lin-Manuel was not a great choice. Yeah. I love Lin-Manuel Manuel Miranda. Like, this may not be gruff enough. Exactly. character. Yeah, grizzled uh, enough. Yeah, there's there's something about that doesn't work for me, even though I love him and I love him in this role. Mm-hmm. I just love him, like, in this role opposite of, or, I mean, separate from, like, actual anything that's happening. <laughs> um, I, f- I feel like there are some things that didn't really pan out. Like, there was no 
real connection to me with Will Perry. Mm-hmm. I understand that he is a prophesied child. I understand that he feels at a very young age responsible for his mother who is unstable. Mm-hmm. But as far as the story and our fantasy world goes, there's no reason to care about him. It seems like just a distraction or a way to cut up the action. Yeah, they're literally just setting up events for the rest of the series because he is very much. Right. Like he's even- a... He's a co-protagonist in the rest of the series, I'll go so far as to say. Yeah, if that's mm-hmm. true, then maybe some maybe some scenes to set up some sort of relationship with him and his parents. I mean, I know his mom is unstable, so it's not really a way to make a real emotional connection because you know that's it's it's tenuous. Mm-hmm. You know, just based on her moods or how uh you know how present she is on any given day. We've got exactly one interview of his father mm-hmm. that Boreal and him watched. Maybe some videos of them playing as children, or I mean, of, of him as a child. So you know, there's some sort of connection that he's holding on to. But if Will is 13, then he never knew his father. So maybe, maybe some scenes of him reading the letters from his father and understanding what he was working on and what's important to him and he's got a purpose to be driven forward but right now he's on the run from a very explainable murder mm-hmm. and that everything that's happening there just seems like it was shoehorned in so you could quickly get to where they're going to start in season two yeah they're definitely trying to have some built-in characterization for him so we know based on his actions that he is pretty responsible for a 12 year old I would say very responsible. Um, he is maybe dutiful is a good word. Mm-hmm. He's very dutiful. Um, he's caring. Yeah. He's not, he can stand up for himself. He can take a hit. We know that. It from feels the like very the same first scene that we, one of the first scenes that we see him in. Yeah. Yeah. Boxing like he match. can, yeah, mm-hmm. doing that and then holding his own against this robber who he didn't, well, he got one punch in, but you know, he's, he's just, he's got the sense of propriety. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, but also we have no reason to be invested in this character at all. Besides yeah, the fact that we have this promise of the future. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. If you don't know that he is going to play such a big part in the rest of the story, it is probably pretty weird to see. Because they are literally just setting up that this is a kid who is good for adventures, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. This is another another child who can probably hold his own. <laughs> In a world of fantasy and intrigue. So, same question back to you. Mm-hmm. So, what did you like about season one? What do you think they could do better to set up season two? Or what are you hoping to see in season two? I am really looking forward to... Uh, I, will, I will do this as best I can without spoilers. I'm looking forward to seeing how they show the different creatures and landscapes in the next season. Um, I am looking forward to the tone changing a little bit, and I think it will. I will say this. Maybe I won't. Okay. (laughs) How's about this? Two characters are going to get together, and it will become a more child-focused story again, which I think might, just by its nature, make it a little bit more fun. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to see some people getting to know each other we're gonna get to have dust explained a little bit more 
in a scientific way. Mm-hmm. But it'll be science that we recognize. Mm-hmm. It won't be experimental theology or whatever it is that they call it. Philosophy. Experimental th- philosophy. Theoretical philosophy. God damn it. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Found it. Roundabout way. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's a huge turnoff for, like, for me, kind of, to not know what the hell dust is, mm-hmm. even though they did this explanatory scene here. I still don't understand. <laughs> and I think that's a problem. I mean, the problem and also the the purpose is that they want to figure out what it is. That is kind of the the arc of this entire first trilogy is finding out what dust is if whether it's good or bad whether it's worth whether it needs protecting and whether it's worth protecting right why there's a there's a line earlier in in episodes where we learn that the worlds are in trouble yeah so is that you know is that asriel doing that why is that is it because he wants to fight god is there one world there's only one world like a one-to-one ratio of just universe or parallel universes mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah it dust will not be explained because the point of the story is to explain it so you will have to wait for the full explanation until literally season three if season three does happen if it gets a third season I that's, highly doubt that they're going to mush the next two books yeah it's interesting because I, I mean like I said they need to pick a lane I need to, you to speak to me on sort of a morality level about mm-hmm. what's right and wrong. Like Will running away from a murder. It's right and wrong. Um, Lyra leaving Roger's body be- behind. Those are sort of existential questions we have to ask ourselves in order to serve what's good and what's just and right. Uh, is there more than two universes we have to explore or is Lyra going to jump over and then jump into multiple universes? Mm-hmm. Is is dust explainable? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we think it's coming from this one universe or is that something that we are going to just jump between every universe and explore? I'm, those are some really interesting questions that I don't think the show understands when they made it. What's really interesting because what's really interesting to me is demon relationships and we haven't had any of that. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Mm-hmm. We've had some, but I mean, certainly any objective viewer could say it's not enough. Based uh, on what I know of the rest of the series, I, I think I get why they didn't want to commit any more than they did to the idea of demons. Yeah. I'm staring at at you with the look of a person who desperately wants to share information and She's cannot. got things to say. We've got answers to provide, maybe, but it's not going to happen now because they're spoilers. No, oh, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna into that. That's like end of the, the end of the series stuff. It's fine. <laughs> we can guarantee next season mm-hmm. we'll have even more light spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll be able to talk about a lot more. So that'll be fun. Do you feel like you have answers and a firm, solid grasp on what's happening here? Do you feel like you have that? And if so, do you feel like you have that from reading all of the books? Or... Yes and yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it, the, these questions do get pretty definitively answered. Oh, there's a... Mm, I just remembered a really cool thing that's going to happen <laughs> next season involving death. 
So if you were just like a virgin sort of viewer <laughs> right now at this point, mm-hmm. would you recommend people read things to catch up and understand what's going on or just let it wash over them with the next season when it comes or read any kind of supp- supplementary material? Material. What are your thoughts? I think that the show has been doing a really good job. I, it, I know it's been a little slow in places. I've complained about it being slow in places, but mm-hmm. I think it's done a good job integrating the really need to know information from the books yeah so i think you would be okay just watching the next season as it is if you want to go read the books like by all means Mm -hmm. do the damn thing but if you would like to be surprised by things that happen obviously just go into it fresh i i don't know when the next season is going to be released i didn't see it slated for next year yeah i don't know or at Um, least the hbo like there was a preview before the episode where they were showing all their stuff for 2020 yeah. and I didn't see it in there, but I think it's, I mean, I know it's for sure been greenlit for a second season, mm-hmm. perhaps a third, but for sure, the second for sure the second season is happening. So you and I will be mm-hmm. back to cover this on bald move TV next year or whatever year it comes out. <laughs> uh, the next season, I mean, yeah. Um, you and I will, maybe be covering something else of our choosing uh we've had a lot of fun doing this together it has been fun yeah and i people seem to be enjoying it yeah so hooray yeah if nothing else we're enjoying it so we're we're gonna find some other excuses to work together in the future here soon this is a a new role yo what's your demon my demon yeah okay i love your suggestion of the magpie that's attracted by things that are shiny but (laughs) also i don't know what animal hates itself the most? Because that's me. <laughs> Maybe like a crow. No, you're a crow. You're I a crow. I'm crow. trying to think of yep. some sort of thing that's just like imbued in darkness, but also is a princess. That's me. Possum. I hate myself so much, but I'm so great. <laughs> <laughs> Very bipolar. Do you ever yell at your ass? If so, you oh can be God, a every possum. Day. Then you're I'm, a possum. There you go. Possum? I found yes. it for you. Yeah. Yes, I'm a possum. <laughs> I just, I live in the darkness. I scream at my own ass constantly. Uh, when cars hit garbage. me, I really get off on that. <laughs> you have the nastiest tail in the universe. Yes, and thank you. Nagliest thank teeth. you. <laughs> We're friends, can you tell? <laughs> I know. Tell me about your nasty ass. <laughs> What's your demon? A crow? Yeah, I'm a scavenger, baby. Yeah? I'm playful. I'm obnoxious. <laughs> Occasionally loud when it is not warranted. You collect and make a nest out of shiny things? I do collect shiny things. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. I'm independent. You're not scared of no men in fields? Not scared of no men in fields. <laughs> you try to try to stuff your hay with dude clothes i know what's up nope not fooling this crow land right she's not some shitty raven she's a crow (laughs) i'm a crow i'm scrappy (laughs) i will peck a bitch (laughs) oh so good this is the quality content people come for and i'm not a raven because i'm too much i'm too garbage too many eyes too many eyes too much foresight nobody wants to know all that no 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 yeah no you been knocking on people's doors in the middle of the night. Oh, no. Sitting on busts of 
philosophers yeah mm-hmm. who's got time for that nobody i just i all i have time for is to scream at my own ass <laughs> <laughs> good times is there is there feedback is feedback a yeah it's about to take happen? a break she knows good old we have a little mic <laughs> we have a little bit of feedback this week as always you can send your feedback to tv at baldmove.com we of course will not be coming back until the next season of his dark materials to discuss his dark materials mm-hmm. but alexis and i will probably be working on some kind of secret super secret feature in the meantime because we cannot resist each other's company it is true and uh, so if you send any feedback, then we'll be happy to read and review it, but maybe won't be considered this year. Our first piece of feedback for this episode and this season overall is from Beth. Beth says she has some thoughts on both the episode and the series. Her thoughts on the last episode are interesting that they changed how Roger died. It was more of an accident in the book, uh, Azrael was trying to do what he did, but it nearly did not work, and Roger ended up falling with his demons, still trapped, so they were ripped apart. Perhaps this is more of a humane ending. So, yeah, in the books, uh, as you said earlier, Roger's demon was locked in the cage. Roger fell off of a cliff, and mm-hmm. the separation and the cliff dive killed them. Yep. Uh, James... McAvoy did a good job. I liked him a lot more this episode. He's such a terrible bastard, but completely certain of his convictions, which does make him more compelling. He was so creepy with Roger. That smile when he succeeds was so wrong. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you can so clearly see both her parents and Lyra, but she's somehow managing to be a good person. She's yeah. greater than the sum of her parts. Uh, two wrongs make a right. Maybe. Kind of thing. (laughs) Roger was brilliant to the end. His and Lyra's relationship was the centerpiece of the show, and if it hadn't been so convincing, it would not have worked. But they really shone together. Poor, poor Lyra. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Roger was so cute. He was cute. When I was reading the books, I didn't feel the same relationship to to Roger, rather. But these two, uh, A-plus casting. He gets better lines in the show, too. He doesn't really get to say or do a lot in the book other than be in mortal peril right which is not really it's not very charismatic yeah (laughs) not clever no uh continue to think that mrs coulter is brilliant scary i really loved her and asriel together their relationship is fascinating and i wish we'd got to see more of it or maybe i just sympathize with her being unable to not mac on james mcavoy (laughs) and fair point you know, she got some a little light macking, but when you are a woman who knows you'll always be second fiddle to whatever, whatever. he's pursuing at the time, yeah. yeah, including other women, apparently. I've seen, I've seen the Watchmen. I've read the Watchmen. Dating a god isn't great. Mm-hmm. It seems great because you can have like eight, you can have eight versions of the god pleasuring you all at once, but it has its own, it has its own problems. Sure, I'll give you that. I think there's something to be said with the emotional connection, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will was interesting. I mean, not... All right, let's not go too far. I think being pleasured by eight people at the same time sounds amazing. 
Uh, Will was interesting, but I guess his story's climax <laughs> was really last week, so it felt a little like treading water. Still can't wait to learn more about what's in store for him and the knife he's meant to be leading, Lyra Balakwa to. Mm-hmm. Quick correction, Beth. It's not Lyra Balakwa. It's Lyra Silvertongue. Mm-hmm. Get it straight. So, yeah, if you could claimed. if you could just correct your emails in the future for the second season, that'd be great. We love you, Beth. Thank you for sending feedback almost every <laughs> almost every episode. Beth has some overall uh, thoughts on the season at whole on uh, on mass. Overall, it was really enjoyable. It looked incredible, and the casting made it come to life really well. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they struggled to get some emotional beats quite right with certain big moments just not landing. I think that might come down to rushing a little and not quite managing to set up the world. The lack of world building around demons in certain relationships didn't help. There was so much they had to convey, so I feel for them, but it's something they'll need to work on because the world is, uh, the worlds seem to be getting bigger and not smaller. They'll need to work on the action scenes for the next series to work, in my opinion. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Like, you have the action budget. rendering eight bears as opposed to like three if -hmm. that's the difference it makes to get in a solid action scene where we see what's happening then we'll sacrifice it yeah uh will and lyra have been set up to perfectly that i cannot wait to see what happens next Mm -hmm. we got we got to that a little bit in our end series recap thank you beth Thanks for being a fan that's written in every week this uh, uh, so far. Almost every week. We had no Except feedback for last, last week. week. You were slacking, but we still love you. You were slacking a little bit, but Alexis and I have decided to grant you a Christmas miracle and forgive you for that. I hope I hope you know this is all tongue-in-cheek. No, I'm serious. <laughs> well, one of us is a nice person, at least. Uh, it's not me. So, Mary says... Unfortunately, the show was kind of disappointing for me. My expectations were probably too high with the terrific cast and it getting the HBO treatment. To be fair, it was far from terrible, but after watching the finale, overall I feel it has been a rather somber and joyless journey. I wish the show would have kept more of the playfulness and lightness of the books. I think a lot of this is how they had Daphne Keene play Lyra. The girl's an amazing young amazing young actor, so I believe she would have been up to the task of playing Lyra any way that was asked for. Mm-hmm. Lyra was brattier in the books, but also full of spirit and childish, childish recklessness. That's a hard thing to say. Childish recklessness. <laughs> that was charming. I think it was less believable that the more grounded and rational the show Lyra was, not double-checking every move she made in the alethiometer. Yeah, this is yeah. solid criticism. That is one of the problems that it has had, I think, and we'll get into this. Uh, I have a preview of a couple of our final feedbacks. The the funness of the show yeah. has suffered. Well, we'll get into kind of yeah. like rating the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's very insightful, Mary. Um, Mary also says, I, do, I also don't like all of the character changes they made with Mrs. Coulter. Ruth Ruth Wilson is terrific in the role, but Mrs. Coulter is played as unhinged and relatively powerless in the show. She is kind of under the Magisterium's heel. In the book, she was just this sort of cruel and powerful dynamo who you couldn't really figure out the motives of, but you knew she was calling the shots. 
Uh, they also kind of mess up the witches. I wish they had more of them and more of Serafina as a character instead of a deus machina exposition queen. She added a bit of brightness to the books. The witches were powerful in the books, but they were vulnerable to enemies as well. And they had this whole whole culture that was interesting and added to Lyra's world. I agree. I feel like instead of witches, they just did the one witch mm. who also said early on that she would only be there when you really need her, but she was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of mixed messaging, really. Lee Scoresby and I have Lee Scoresby. I have mixed feelings on Lynn Manuel Miranda is fine, though probably not my first choice for Lee. Uh, at least he brought a bit of levity to the show, but it seemed like he was acting in a different show than everyone else. My main issue is I don't think the show really sold the bond between him and Lyra very well. Agreed. Yeah, um, I will also say, knowing what I know of what comes in the future. It's not that big of a deal, but it's fine. Yeah, it's just like the relationship between her and Yorick was more important than the one between her and Lee Scoresby right now. And I think that's that's kind of how it is in the books, too. I don't know why they tried to lean into the father figure thing as much as they did. There, that conversation does exist in the book, but... Right, and I think this, I I think this conversation when Lynn... Or, Sorry, not Lynn Manuel. Lee Scoresby pulls Lyra away from after she brought back Lily, Billy Costa, mm-hmm. bring uh, drags her back and says, "You know, this is not about you. This is about family." I think that works independently, mm-hmm. independently of any like kind of relationship they have, any kind of like shared sleep in the tent arrangements. It doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Uh, personal gripe: Why did they take out Lord Asriel? Making the comparison of the imagery. Imaginary number I to the story of Adam and Eve. I really like that in the books. To Matthew, to Bible-y? I don't know if that was or if that was Pullman's original idea, but I think it's an interesting parallel between math and religion. So more of a personal preference for me to keep it in. I do think they might they may have been concerned that, that would be something that would go over some people's heads. Yeah. And they clearly don't want any of that to happen, as we can see from the series so far. Keep it grounded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last complaint, which is almost not worth repeating. Where are all the demons? Where are Where all the, the demons? Where the fuck are all the demons, Mary? We'd all like to know. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mary wants to conclude with what she really liked about the show. Starting to bring in Will as a character earlier and fleshing out Lord Boreal a little. Though some of this was clunky, especially in uh, cutting between Will and Lyra scenes sometimes, I think overall that was a smart move. I like the Will actor. He was supposed to be someone with a strong force of will and smart and very serious, and I think the kid nailed it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Without any kind of like subcontext to who he is, I, I agree with that. Yeah, me too. Also, the Roger actor I thought did a really good job. In the books, his death was not very emotional to me because the character had little to no personality or time in the novel. It was just kind of shocking that they would kill a character in that way. I think the actor did a lot to give him personality in the screen time he had. He had good friend chemistry with Lyra, too. I definitely felt some feels at the end of the finale. Agreed. Yep. The the way that this was shown, the very, very last bit, that last scene I think was super effective for me. It was maybe one of the most effective things that the show tried to do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, our next feedback is from Yasmin. A couple points in no particular order. Lin-Manuel Miranda as Lee Scoresby was no good. I tried to give him a chance, but now that the season is over, they definitely could have found someone better. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I like Lin-Manuel. I want him to have a place in this in this universe, but this was not the place. And I also feel like the balloon crash was bizarre and and didn't really... I mean, imagine a universe where Lyra fell out and the three of them found a place to land. Mm-hmm. Lee stood with the balloon. York went back to the camp and Roger stayed with the balloon too and they all met up together again later. I don't know how that's different from him just being a fucking incompetent person <laughs> who crashed a balloon once he lost a little girl and yeah. a giant bear and another small little boy. Again, gotta say, they really, I don't know if it was CGI budget or what, but there was a storm happening in the book. There were, there was a reason, like, you, you can't see, when snow is blowing around, you cannot see mountains and stuff. All right. So, I'm going to take your word for it. But not in the show, but not in the show. So, Yeah. Your criticism is valid <laughs> in this situation. Uh, and, and again, okay, I haven't said it early enough, but I love this show. Mm-hmm. I love this book series. I love this idea, this concept. I want to love it more than anyone or anything. Not more than anyone. More than anything. <laughs> I want to love this, and I do love it. But it's just I can't help but having questions. Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely like something and still have criticisms of it. Right. It's not like you... It's not like you marry somebody and then suddenly, or you get in a relationship with somebody and there's nothing. I'm like, this person is infallible. Yeah. They could do no <laughs> wrong. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's crazy to think that you would never have anything bad to say about something. That right. Like. And there are, just with the marriage, there are unrecon- irreconcilable differences. Mm-hmm. There are none that I found in this show, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know. I'm just asking for better because we're still here. We're in it to win it. You know, we, we're married to this thing and we're really invested in, we want to make it work. But if there are irreconcilable differences in the future, then we're not going to stick around and just continue to get our hearts broke. Uh, I'm an idiot. I will. You will? Yeah. Yeah. I'll continue to get your heart broke. All right. Keep covering this damn thing to the end. Started. Well, I'll continue it. to be your girlfriend who's like, girl, you deserve better. <laughs> Come on. Come on. He doesn't love you. He doesn't respect you. All true. He but sings every time he started. enters a room with you. Like, that's not okay. That's not how you treat a woman. <laughs> he leans into a fake Texan accent, which is convenient for him. <laughs> I like Lynn, but yeah. it's okay. I just, I didn't like that first episode that he was in, but I thought after no, that he was, the rest he was playing better. it better. Yeah. But just like the down. context of them being there was not a better. <laughs> uh, Yasmin continues, the final moments of Pan looking for Roger's demon and Lyra holding his body actually got me kind of emotional. Daphne Keen is killing it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Girl. Yes. I want to see, I've said this before, but I want to see Logan. I'm super invested in anything Daphne Keen is in in the future. Logan? Logan? You did see it? No. What? No, I didn't. What? I haven't seen Logan. She's so fierce. It's great. That's what I hear. Did yeah. she speak at all? Hmm? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like a animal child kind of thing, but... No, she's definitely a protagonist in her own right. Yeah. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Jasmine or Yasmin continues. I also liked how they did the juxtaposition of Will versus Lyra as they prepared to step into new worlds. Mm-hmm. But wasn't Will's door the same one Lord Boreal was using? Nope. That to me telegraphs he was he's going to Lyra's world, but I know they meet in an entirely new one. Spoiler. Uh, that is a bit of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's being left in. It's being left in. I'm sorry, y'all, but after we've been so cagey throughout the rest of this episode, we're gonna let Yasmin I, I blow mean, we the doors off to it the earlier. whole dang thing. I will speak louder than you. Go on. I don't think it's I don't think it's a spoiler to understand that in the future we might be introduced to new worlds besides the two that we've known so far. Yeah. I think it's a little bit. Uh, I think it's a little bit naive to think that we're not going to be introduced in some or that new world. Yeah. But yeah, this isn't a this isn't a spoiler for like exactly what kind of worlds we're inter we'll enter into because I still even reading that I don't mm-hmm. know what that means. I think that if you are aware of interdimensional or parallel universe kind of travel, then this is something that's just antiquated to you. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like, if every if every choice you make creates a different universe mm-hmm. of a different choice that you've made, then if the time of conception of yourself or any other person in the world, every every point of conception is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a there's infinite universes of you and I as ourselves that were born into this world and the choices that we made. But what if our parents, like, what if a different sperm had won? Mm-hmm. Then it's a completely different you. Maybe you could live the exact same life, but you're, it's a different you. And it's a different, like, facial construction of features. Of Or maybe it wouldn't have even been a exactly. viable embryo. Exactly. Yeah. All of those things. There's so many different infinite universes. So for us to suggest to you that those things exist in this universe, well, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it's it's gonna be something that we're gonna have to explore, mm-hmm. and that's something that I don't have any knowledge of in the future books or anything like that. But yeah, I do. But I'm kind. But yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting thing. I should think you should stick around to explore. Uh, Willis willing or Will's willingness to randomly step into what looks like a paranormal event was a little odd. From what I remember in the books, he was being chased and fell through the door on accident. It made sense with the way they cut his and Lyra's scenes, but other than that, it wasn't something a generally cautious, scared for his life teen would do. Would you? Well, I would. I'm weird. So. I would. Yeah. I'm weird. <laughs> like 100%. <laughs> I mean, he he did the prerequisite amount of exploring that was he stuck his hand through. His hand didn't burn off, then he did. And the cool, you they didn't make this clear, but your you can see safe. through. You can see through these windows a little bit. Yeah, you can see the or leaves kind of like blowing through the doorway in the show. You can see, yeah, through yeah. the windows a little bit. Um. So yeah, it's ambitious but plausible. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Maybe she's one of those people who doesn't have like a child, a, a problematic childhood. Maybe she doesn't want to flee at every opportunity. Yeah, who all never the time. dreamed of escaping and running away from your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll go through any doorway there. 
Have you ever seen the Bridge of Terabithia? Come on. This story is old as time. Mm-hmm. Ask Ariel from The Little Mermaid. I could go on all day. Just make, like, infinite connections. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> because the last point here is that in the books, didn't Mrs. Coulter step through the door with Lord Asriel? She was just as ambitious as he said and still loves him, obviously, her monkey and his panther. Or... Uh, snow leopard i think you mean Mm -hmm. do demons caress each other in the same room and two adults have sex i think we explored this fully Mm -hmm. but in the show i guess they were there to make her more sympathetic and or love lyra more than i thought am i off here uh so she's saying that in the books mrs coulter steps through the door with lord asriel i don't believe that happened no, that's not my recollection. No. All they all they say of her actually is that she walks away from the doorway. They yeah. don't go back to her after right. that. Right. She doesn't even say like correct me if I'm wrong. Uh she doesn't even say like I'm doing this for Lyra. No. I think so. Yeah, it doesn't seem like to have any express gain here. But uh they do. I mean, like you said, they want to make Asriel and they want to make Coulter more sympathetic than they mm-hmm. actually are. Um, but it's just people without parents trying to deal with being without parents, I guess. Because Lyra is just a strong, independent woman who's going to have to, or a child right now, is a woman who's going to have to figure it out for herself. Mm-hmm. Richard says, my biggest problem with the show is the pacing. I constantly feel as if the plot is dragged out and padded. It looks great, but I can never quite make up my mind if I'm watching another tween Potter show or if it's something more for me. I found the acting to be very decent overall and the show looks really good, but at the same time, I don't really care about any of the characters. I don't feel invested, I guess. I mean, the funny thing is, as many pacing issues as the show does have, it shows all of the important points from the book and it doesn't really leave that much out and still manages to pack in some things from the second book. So the books are just kind of a slower paced thing. It's not like your standard child or young adult adventure novel where there's just like action, action, action all the time. It's mm-hmm. more thoughtful than that. Yeah. Meanders. Yeah, I think Richard's got a point here in that it does feel drug out and padded mm-hmm. in certain points. Like they really pushed in this book two stuff with Will Perry and in, in a place that wasn't in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, like I said early on, I feel like you have to have some. Yeah, this is the exact question I asked. Like, do you have some sort of relationship to like the orphanness of yourself or the specialness of yourself to make a connection to this show it's hard to say for me especially going into it with i was already i was already a fan of the books when i was in middle school whenever it was that i first read them yeah so it i don't know your yeah. mileage may vary as far as that goes yeah i'd love to go back in time and kind of like experience in that mm-hmm. but harry potter was going on so it was the time um, Eve 
says, I really enjoyed your recaps and analysis, especially in this slow season. I think the show was trying to find its identity during the whole running, and it was really unfair to the viewer. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Who is this made for? What's the target audience? What's your budget? And what are you going to spend your budget on? What tone are you trying to go for? Yeah. Eve continues, still the actresses and actors were, we can just say actors now, I guess, mm-hmm. were really good. Not amazing. Yeah. I think Daphne Keene's fucking killing it. I think Lord Asriel, um, even though he's doing a super, James McAvoy, even though he's doing a super Shakespearean thing, really works in the series. It really drew me in. Asriel is kind of over the top. He is kind of extra, so it works for me. Yeah. Ruth Wilson and her puppet monkey were incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I can say that kind of about everyone's performances. Who would you say, is anyone like slumpy? Is anyone, did anyone do a bad job? Um, well, it's all kind of melodramatic, mm-hmm. but it's not bad. No, Eve says I say it's bad. good, not amazing, but there are only one or two who I can think of who are less than exceptional, mm-hmm. and they're gone now. So it's not a problem. They're all dead. Not a problem. They're all dead. You heard it here, first, first folks. Alexis hates Roger and glad he is dead. Can't stand. <laughs> Eve continues. <children. laughs> Listen, Alexis, we don't need you to tell us how glad you are that children are dead anymore. I'm a baby Eve hater. has more to say. <laughs> with the second season, I hope HBO dumps the BBC and goes full on Game of Thrones with this. Were you a Game of Thrones watcher fan? Mm. I I think that using that as your metric to compare everything that's even remotely fantasy to dude does a disservice to those things i've heard endless <laughs> comparisons witcher. to like yes yeah. this first because mm-hmm. it's the next thing hbo did and then witcher yeah which is completely separate they're people. completely different properties the only the thing they have in common is that they're fantasy it's literally it yes <sighs> but there are the some kind of fantasy there are some comparisons that you can make like mm-hmm. sort the fights. language language yeah. like their their choice of like consistency of speaking the same language there are some like similar scenarios but alexis aaron and i are going to do a oh you're calling it yeah we're All gonna right. do it. i'm not gonna call a specific date but i think that the three of us could really do everyone a service by talking about the witcher and i think that's great i think that it's comparing any of these things to Game of Thrones is just not fair. It's not useful. No. It's not useful for anything. Right. The only thing I could I could even remotely think that would be a fair comparison is if someone did a live a- action adaptation of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Or Elder Scrolls, rather. To anything, be more general. I mean, Game of Thrones, it was fantasy, yes, but it was more period drama right. in a lot of ways. They really only snuck in the magic stuff toward the end whenever Danny got real magic beefy. Yeah. Basically. And yeah. the priestesses and everything. Right. Comparing these two things is just like you are a person who desperately has this hole in your heart about a certain thing. But these two things do not compare. If you're a person listening to right now or to this podcast right now, these two things do not compare. No, they're different. But they're just because they're like even just because they're vaguely 
the same genre it doesn't mean that they have to be the same story or the right. same kind of story same yeah tone same anything to eve's point she's saying that for the second season i hope hbo dumps the bbc and goes full on game of thrones with this i think that means maybe that they just like if you dump the bbc there's no inhibitions anymore for yeah, like maybe raise that rating yeah mm-hmm. maybe more like I don't know how you would do this with this series, but like sex and violence, maybe we can see those things more. Maybe not the sex so much because it's kids, but I could see actual bears hurling a fire hurler and hitting a (laughs) direct target. That could be cool. There's no sex or actual violence since implied Mm -hmm. type of like budgetary things. Maybe that's what she means. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Finally, Eve says, I would like to know from you, now that you watch the movie and the first season, how would you rank them? So, it depends on the scale that we are applying to the problem. If we are talking about the funness of watching and the yellingness at my TV that happened, (laughs) then the Golden Compass was better for me. Yes. But if we are talking in terms of quality and how well it sticks to the source material and how well it explains itself, definitely the series. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, something about the Golden Compass had a much more saturated tone to it. Mm-hmm. Their, um, their relationship, if I could take the relationship between Ruth Wilson and Daphne Keene and implant that into the movie that was the Golden Compass, I think it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, I think James McAvoy makes a better Lord Asriel. Than Daniel Craig, yeah. Yeah, because he's he's a more conflicting character. It's a little bit more charismatic too, just facial yes. acting wise. Yeah, I think uh, Daniel Craig. I only want to be on his side, one hundred percent. James McAvoy. I'm like ah, he's got some dichotomy to him, and like he loves his daughter and his uh, his baby mama, but they're not but you also know that he's got some malice to him when daniel craig you're like ah he's gonna turn out to be a good guy eventually right mm-hmm. um I and think with the that colors... movie you don't even get to see him yeah. killing a child on a mountaintop so you extra want to relate to him right i think that the may the movie golden compass could have been better served in two parts and it would have been perfect i think mm-hmm. because they tried to force in too much but mm-hmm. The battle at the end was perfect. You had the witches, the bears, the, I mean, you had the Samoyeds and the Tartars Mm -hmm. against, who are they? Other than the bears and the witches. Egyptians. And just like the kids and the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. Like that battle was much better. Yeah, it was bigger. It was cooler. There were some questionable bow tactics used, but it was more fun to watch. Right. And to have Seraphina Pecola just fucking destroy all these guys even though she said i'm only going to watch over in case you need my help absolutely mm-hmm. it was too quickly summed up um i like the emotional scene between nicole kidman and the lyra in the movie better than ruth wilson and daphne keen but i'm i don't know i'm just trying to like judge by emotional moments that landed better for me and that was one of them yeah. Um, I don't know. I think a healthy dose of mixing the two. Like, <laughs> Nicole Kidman and that Lyra didn't look anything like each other. 
Like in this series, if you were to start from episode one, I think you could guess that Azriel and uh, Coulter are her parents. Mm-hmm. But that's with very informed knowledge. The other one is like, oh, it's a stretch. Oh, yeah, I guess she's like <laughs> super blonde and golden haired. I don't know. Yeah. I my One of my biggest complaints, and I think I may have mentioned this on our on our Bald Move TV episode where we covered Golden Compass. It was hours. 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 Um, <laughs> hours of hours. Hours of hours. Hours of hours coverage. Hours. Coverage. Coverage. <laughs> the movie was very much afraid of confronting the the darker themes that are in this story it's it's two you're looking at two things that are on like a completely different side of the spectrum as far as funness and tone go mm-hmm. where we have the series which is leaning into the darkness and i again i will say that the darkness changes as the series moves forward so it's not so much holy shit it's not are so you much saying it's exactly like the human experience and that the darkness just changes all the time and it's it impossible does. to tell what's you think right it's going to be better wrong. you think it's going to be better and then just you just find new problems no. yep nope <laughs> where <laughs> the movie is on the complete other scale where it's it's nothing but popcorn mm-hmm. right you got popcorn and you got bourbon somewhere yeah. in the middle would probably be good but what we have right now is two opposite <laughs> sides yeah popcorn um, bourbon bourbon popcorn bourbon popcorn oh isn't that just easy. the white dog isn't it supposed to taste a little bit like popcorn? I don't know. Sorry, I'm a booze nerd. Anyway. Yeah, not familiar. <laughs> but I'm sure someone out there would get it. Yeah. Our, our final feedback for this week and for the entire season one is from Fern in NYC. Fernie. Now that the show has pretty much covered the movie version, what parts did you like from the film more than the show and vice versa? What aspects of the books did the film show better and what did the show improve upon on the books? Casting, special effects, things that were added or removed, etc. I think we pretty much just did that. The mm-hmm. the effects were better in the movie. Yeah. They had a much bigger budget. Exactly. The budget's so big that it destroyed them. But Yeah, I feel like if we could take this series, cast everything, implant it into that movie's budget and <laughs> saturation color scheme, mm-hmm. those things I think would be a really winning combination of the two. And um, more demons, more demons, more demons. That's always. all I can more say animals. is more demons because I feel like when you go to ad- adopt this kind of thing, mm-hmm. having for me personally, I have a demon. I have a demon at home. She's garbage. I hate her, <laughs> but she's fifty percent of my story. You know, she leaves dead mice in your bed. But exactly, she's- <laughs> yeah. and she's so charming for that. But it's just like. That's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. You're when you get to the point where your demon is your soul and you are just a, kind of like a living body of just like functions, then the demon should be 50% of that. Mm-hmm. And the demon settles in whatever form is kind of representative of your your personality. And your personality isn't always a bird. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that gives the the show the mythology is sort of a, a lot of short shrift you're either a dog or you're either a dog or a wolf in the ice or you're a bird and i don't know i think to make that make sense you have to buy into the idea that there are multiple levels of personality like there are 
there are base core elements of who you are as a person that you're just kind of born with, I guess. And then there are, there's the fluff on the top, which is your it's your nature versus your nurture. Exactly. Right? And that's something that you should confront when you start to develop a series, not when you have developed and shot the series. Mm-hmm. You don't get 50% of the way through and you're like, ah, we showed pantalimon chasing Lyra through the through Jordan College and now we can't show a bear fight anymore. Like mm-hmm. the jaw ripping, well the jaw ripping. I do really do. Like that's a very specific thing I want and I feel like that's not a big ask because I think it's very feasible if you know what you're getting into when you start shooting the series. Mm-hmm. And like 50% of your budget and cast are CGI animals. That's just what you have to get into. Yeah. We also don't know what to what degree the budget has been approved. If that budget that was that has already been approved was for both seasons, so they're trying to stretch it out a little bit for the next season because shit gets magical. Yeah. In the next season, it gets crazy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, or if that's not the case, and they just kind of did the best with what they could. Yeah. No, you and I are just expressing kind of regrets and how much we love the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, again, I'm I'm so in. I'm so here for it. You and I are going to be back for the second season, whenever that comes about, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, something mm-hmm. like that. We will be here for it. And Alexis and I have really enjoyed each other's company so much so that we're going to find some other excuse to work together here soon. Yeah. So, let's, do, let's do something maybe that isn't YA, so we're not falling to the pitfall oh, of shit. women I was gonna covering say like, YA. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Potter next, but... Hey, listen... I just said that, but also, I would be totally up for doing Harry Potter. I'm so into Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, it's all I think about. Despite, you know what? Separate the separate the work from the yeah. From separate the, the work from the turf. So, <laughs> you and I, we're gonna we're gonna find some reason to work together here mm-hmm. soon. And it's not gonna be political. That's a lie. It will be. There'll be some social, be, eco- economical type of. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got this. We got this. A tasteful amount of social justice yeah taste a tasteful amount like we're not gonna make you feel bad about yourself but we might i don't know (laughs) that's not true so alexis and i are eager to work together again soon Mm -hmm. let us know on the forums.baldmove.com or on uh any of the social medias at bald move facebook instagram twitter what have you we each have our own separate instagram or i'm sorry twitter handles that we instagram handles who respond to so let us know what you'd love to have us tackle next and really fix we can fix this culture and we'll do it together (laughs) i've had a lot of fun during the his dark material season this year there have been some missteps but i'm super excited to continue covering it with you how do you feel i'm just really happy that a property that i enjoy is getting at least a little bit of an HBO treatment. Yeah. It's nice. It's been it's been fun and really satisfying. I love seeing people talk about mm-hmm. this thing that I always wanted to talk about and I had fucking nobody to talk about <laughs> it with. Are you kidding me? The yes, the please. Damn thing. It's a fan's dream. So that I'm so I'm excited. Very, oh, and Witcher coming out. I'm yes, sure. for sure. Being me, out, Alexis, and Aaron are going to be covering The Witcher at some point. Don't so pin us I down hear. to a date, but God damn it. <laughs> Toss a coin to your bald move because we're going to be covering The Witcher. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Happy this holidays. is a Christmas surprise. Yes. And enjoy. we will. We'll see you soon. 
see you soon. Enjoy your new year.